Hey everybody, this is Kevin W. Grossman from Reach West Radio wishing you all vitality and mindful presence in 2017. I'm currently working on all new shows for 2017, but in the meantime, I'll be rebroadcasting some of the most popular Reach West Radio shows from 2016, and I hope you'll give them a listen if you haven't done so already. Thank you again and enjoy. You're listening to Reach West Radio with your host, Kevin W. Grossman. It's time to live the effectual stretch. Then comes the part where you've learned to show up and be your better self and a better leader, embracing the little moments and incremental victories. Certainly not easy. It takes time, energy, and practice for us to get there and sustain it, and of course some failure along the way. This week's guest knows a little something about this, being a trailblazer in every sense of the word. Hailed as the female Jerry Maguire by CNN, she represented sport's biggest names and negotiated over $500 million in contracts. She's been featured in ESPN, Fast Company, Forbes, and Sports Illustrated, and is the author of three books. She's also recently developed an e-learning series of coaching and personal development courses that emphasize why it's so important to invest in ourselves. Her personal mantra embodies connecting, inspiring, and leading with creative courage and optimism, something I aspire to do every day, and I hope you do as well. I'm very excited to welcome this week's Reach West radio guest, Molly Fletcher, CEO of the Molly Fletcher Company, as well as a powerful keynote speaker and author. Molly, thank you so much for being on Reach West Radio today. I appreciate it. Uh, first of all, you used to represent some pretty big names in professional sports. So can you tell us just that brief story of what it was like being the quote-unquote female Jerry Maguire? <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we did. We, we had some wonderful people, right, who happen to be obviously incredible at what they do. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was a really special journey. I mean, we had guys like Doc Rivers and John Smoltz and you know, Ernie Johnson Jr. And so people that, you know, when they called me on a Friday night or a Saturday, which is very common in that business, you know, you, you wanted to take their call and you were excited to connect with them because they were at the core, really, really good people. Sure. Um, but, but, you know, it was, it was an opportunity to help guys and gals capture a very short window of time to do what they do. We all in the, in the business world make a living in, you know, however, 40, 50 years, whatever it might be that we decide to right. work. And these guys make it in, in four years, you know, maybe 10 if they're lucky, right? Really yeah. unique to be out there that long. So I took it really seriously. I mean, the opportunity to support them inside of that window is very short. And the, the, it's a very unique opportunity to be able to, you know, sit and sign your name on baseball cards and watch cartoons for $20,000, you know, or to stop by a grand opening on your way to the field and, and, and do a quick appearance for Forty thousand dollars. I mean, those are very unique and rare situations, and so capturing those is important. And then their bodies changing every day, every year they're getting older, and so making sure you capitalize the opportunities for them from an on the field perspective right. or an on the court perspective was important. So, um, you know, I I valued the opportunity to be around people too that were people that woke up every day, and if they weren't their best, they'd lose their job. There was somebody right behind them ready to take it. And so that was a really cool and unique experience because you're around people that 
have somebody on their tail all the time. And so the, the, you know, getting better every day wasn't a choice. It was a mandate or they would lose their job. Right. Right. So I loved it. It's, it was a wonderful journey. So, so then real quick, how, how did you get into that? Why, I mean, why, how did you get into, to being a sports agent? How did that happen? Yeah. So I was a student athlete at Michigan state. I played tennis and I wanted to stay in the business of sports, but I, you know, was 22 years old and didn't know really what that might look like. But yeah. I moved to Atlanta to find a job in sports. There was a lot happening in Atlanta and, um, you know, was fortunate enough uh, over about a year's period of time to get in front of a gentleman who owned a small agency. And I got on board with him and, and, and then really saw a gap in the business where there was a need for us to go recruit more players. We had, a few guys in the stable, but we didn't have a, sort of a proactive recruiting plan. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I went into his office with sort of a business plan to say, Hey, these are the baseball players I think we can go get. And this is what the revenue against that looks like. And this is what, what I think the timeline against this is and put a business plan together for him. That was, you know, not overly complicated, but, but very, very real in what I thought we could do. And, and, and he gave me the green light. And so then I would recruit, I recruited baseball players right away and, and signed several guys that first year and then continued to do that. And then hired a staff of agents over time. And every couple of years I would go in and sort of pitch a new division. And, you know, we started with baseball and then I went in and pitched a, um, you know, a college coaching division and then our college coaches would get fired. And that was sort of how we started a broadcaster division. And, you know, fast forward 15 years, right. We had about 300 guys and, and about nine agents that were all overseeing the, the various verticals for me. I think that's great. So now, now, so based on now that we segue to what you're doing and you've been doing now for the past few years, you're all about online coaching, personal development. You're doing a lot of keynote speaking. You're doing a lot of content development. Um, tell us about that and what you're trying to accomplish moving into personal development today. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when I was young, I always, you know, I begged Zig Ziglar for a meeting, you know, one of the yeah. first sort of guys doing this. And I, and I, and I was fortunate enough to, to sort of get him to like me enough to help me. And, and he and I sat down together and he gave me some good advice. And, you know, for me, I have always been passionate about personal development. I've always been sort of a personal development junkie, right? Mm-hmm. I was always in that section of the bookstore you know, funneling through books and thinking, boy, it'd be cool to have a book with my name on it on this, on this shelf that could help, help right. people. And so what I realized, you know, as I progressed through the sports agency business was this is a really, you know, a culmination of some pretty cool and unique experiences that I think can help people. And so I wrote a book and then I started getting asked to speak, you know, wh- whether I was good or not. I think when you write a book, people say, hey, you know, I think you've got something to say. So I started speaking and I, and I began to sort of get feedback that, you know, this content's really helpful and this is good and and there's a lot here. And so I continued to speak and it got to a point where candidly, I I really got to a point where I had to make a choice because I couldn't really do both um, really effectively. I felt like I can't, you know, athletes don't like going to voicemail. And so when you're on the stage or waiting and talking to people or something, it, it was too it wasn't, I felt like if I kept going down that road of doing both at the same time, I wasn't being fair. And I truly in my heart actually sort of liked the speaking a little bit better because I felt like I could make a bigger impact. Sure. I felt like I could capture some of my experiences and, and share them and help people. And, you know, now you finish a keynote and somebody, you know, last week I did a keynote in Phoenix and a woman came up to me and she said, I got to tell you, I heard you two years ago. And what you told me, um, you know, it, 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 it I did exactly what you said. And she said, I signed the biggest piece of business I've ever had. 
And, you know, that's cool. Or you get a tweet from somebody that says, you know, what you just said, I needed that right now. That really helped me or the, you know, the emails that we get. So uh, it evolved, right? And, and I, I think, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of if you listen to your heart and you align it with your head and you listen to the market, the really special things can happen. And, and it, it wasn't like I had this massively strategic plan on how to, how to make this transition. I think I, I did those things. I listened to my heart, I aligned it with my head and I, and I listened to the market and there was a gap. I mean, there was a need for female business speakers. Mm-hmm. And so now I speak 60 to 70 times a year on business development, on relationship management, on leadership. And it's all my stories about my experiences with my athletes that we connect back to the audience based on what they're dealing with. And then the e-learning stuff started because, you know, you'd finish a keynote and say, okay, gosh, you know, best case scenario, the thousand people in the room are going to take two or three of these things and they're going to go deploy it in their life. Right. And, and so you say, well, how do you make the two or three become six or seven? And how do you ensure that that behavior change that you've just articulated actually takes traction? And that was why we started the e-learning was let's make sure that the words that we're sharing creates traction in their lives and they can create that change. And so that's exactly what we did. I mean, so the e-learning is just an extension. They're really just mini keynotes with worksheets that go with them to help inspire the content that potentially they've already heard or a further extension of the content that they heard. So, you know, to me, it was just a really natural extension to ensure that you inspire behavior change in your audiences. No, and I've watched, I've actually seen a couple of your prototypes and I, I'm very excited about the series. I think it's not, they're very, they're very well thought out. They're, they're bite size, which is another thing I really right. like. And it, and unfortunately today's, in today's short attention span theater, I think that's important. Um, you know, and even why I'm doing these podcasts today to being fairly bite-sized, 20 plus minutes. I think that's the way that we can right. We consume today, we're an on-demand world today, but that's okay because whatever it takes, right? And change is, right. Change is incremental. We don't, I mean, some, sometimes right. we can make big leaps, but it's really, it is taking those two or three takeaways. And for example, last fall, you spoke at the Talent Board Candidate Experience Symposium last October. And I, again, you were so inspiring to me, everybody else that was there, um, all about you know showing up. This is the theme that you shared with us, showing up, be, be your better self when dealing with clients, business partners, peers, family, friends. You were talking, you connected it to recruiting and leadership as well. But we all know right. this all takes time, it takes energy and practice for us to get there and sustain it, right? So along the way, though, we're, you know, we can't have success without, without failure. That's the way we learn. That's the way we adapt and achieve. Is there Absolutely. something, can you share something with us today on the, on, on the show with that's, that's a, a failure story that just really helped you kind of advance forward? Well, how much time do you have? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, uh, I got plenty too. I have Molly. failed. I got plenty too. Uh, I, right. Right. I mean, I've failed a ton and I'm a, huge fan of failure because to me when you fail it means you're really leaning in and you're pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone you know for me failure started I mean I grew up in a home with twin brothers that were five years older than me that 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 just absolutely beat me up day in and day out right and so I um they've treated me a lot more like a little brother than a little sister and you know, I learned at a young age that if I was going to jump into the pile with my dad and brothers and they were wrestling, that I better be ready to go. And if I came out crying, they didn't feel bad. <laughs> so, you know, it started then. And then I played tennis in college where, you know, there was one, one match that we played a, a team that, you know, we traditionally would win 
all eight lines in the match in the you know match against this particular team and we won seven and we lost one and the one we lost was me and that was horrifying i mean it was embarrassing you know i didn't show up i lost my serve i mean and i remember laying on the bed at my parents house because i went to school at michigan state which was five minutes from my parents home and and I remember just laying there, just, you know, just felt horrible. And it was such a distinct moment when I failed. I failed myself. I failed my team. I failed publicly, you know, because stuff's in the paper. And it was just embarrassing. And so, but then I went out and won eight in a row after that, right? So to me, it, 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 it act, absolutely failure makes you better. It's how you react to it. That's yes. the most important thing. And, you know, and so you've got to recover quickly. And, and that's one of the things I talk about a lot in my keynotes is fail, recover, repeat, you know? and and then, I mean, I, you know, and then when I would recruit players, I mean, you're not going to bat a thousand when you're recruiting, right. you know, athletes. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not always going to be the perfect fit. And I recruited a guy who was a big time outfielder um, in the big leagues for years, a stud of a baseball player and, you know, spent two years just doing all kinds of stuff, bringing him endorsement deals and appearances and, you know, flying him to all-star games on private planes and, you know, going to, you know, dinner with he and his wife and, and, but at the end of the day, what happened was kind of when we were about two weeks away from free agency, when we were sort of ready to make it official, I asked for the business and he very nicely said, look, you know, you guys have been great. He said, but I, I can't leave the guy that I'm with. Oh, yeah. And it was such a learning experience because I'd given a lot, but I'd never really asked the tough questions and I was making assumptions throughout the process. And so one of the things I'm a big fan of is, you know, having the courage in life to ask those tough questions in a way that's hopefully safe for the person on the other side of the table. Right. But ask them because we need that level of clarity. Cause I could have saved a whole lot of time and a whole lot of money had I asked him that question sooner. So, you know, the, the failures are um, very, very prevalent in, in my business and they still are. But I think the key is do you recover quickly and do you learn from it? And do you use what you learn to make yourself better? Exactly. And I believe that last one you did share during your, your keynote at our conference too, which was, I think, very impactful in there. Because I think a lot of, not only in the recruiting and HR space, just, but just in life that we don't, we're not always asking the right questions. And for whatever reason, we're, we're doing this end around that's not getting us to <laughs> the conclusion that we need to get right. to. And then we have that aha moment and go, oh yeah, I should have done that. So you told me, right. exactly. You told me a few weeks ago that you attended a personal development retreat and one of your assignments was to craft a, a personal mission statement. Many of us, and I've done this before as well, and I think it's very valuable. What did you come up with and why? And, and, and how has it changed your old ways of thinking? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I went to a place called Human Performance Institute that Jim Lair um, started and he was a big sports psychologist and mm-hmm. and Johnson and Johnson actually acquired his business. He he is a wonderful man and I respect him so much and so I was excited to have the opportunity to be a part of it because it's all his content. Um, you know, we were challenged with sort of a process that that was sort of identify your best self, right? So when do you show up as your best self? When do you show up as your best self at home? When do you show up as your best self at work? Right. And what does that look like? And and then you sort of go through this process that brings up some things and gets you kind of clear. And then you culminate it down into sort of one sentence, you know, what, which, which really is asking yourself, why are you here? I mean, what is your purpose and why are you here? And I spent, you know, a lot of time sort of processing that and thinking about that. 
And what I came up with is, is to inspire and to connect and to lead with creative courage and optimism. Mm. And, and what it does for me personally, and everybody's yeah. just totally different, right? right? And it's personal and it, need, and it needs to be personal. It needs to be authentic to yourself. Right. But what, but what it, what it, the way it shows up in my life now is that it, it really becomes sort of bumper pads for your world. Um, so you might find yourself on a conversation with somebody in your life. And you want to go one direction or you want to go another direction. And in, inside of maybe a difficult conversation, you remind yourself of why you're here. And so I'll find myself inside of difficult conversations and I'll say, okay, wh what's my purpose? And then that it just gives me bumper pads. It just keeps me locked in and aligned on the way to handle a conversation um, based on, you know, my mission statement. So it, it, uh, I, I think it's something that I would encourage everybody to do. Um, whether you work, whether you stay at home, you know, whether you're involved um, in, in anything in your life, it just, to, to me, it's what church does for me on Sundays, right? It just relocks you in and it's powerful. I love the, yeah, the, I love the, the reference to churches and, and bumper pads. And if we could put those two together all the time, <laughs> I think that would be, that's, I'm going right. I'm, I'm to use that, Molly. I love that. But the, especially the, on, on the bumper pad side, how, so what is it? I mean, I know, I understand that this journey and all of us, and I've had my own as well, and, and it's a continuous journey, right? I'm, I always consider myself a lifelong learner. Um, I know that I'm sure you right. feel the same way too. What are Absolutely. some, even though it's viscerally personal, what my mission statement or what my, my path will be and has been and all, all the things in between, what are some recommendations that you'd give to those listening to the podcast today? How do they get to their better selves? What, where, would, where do we start? Yeah, I mean, I think, number one, you've got to start and identify how do you show up as your best self and really yeah. look at that and really think about that. And then I think you've got to um, pull back and say, okay, how do I show up? What's the impact that work has on me being my better self? Is it helping you be better or is it hurting you and, and, and being better? What does that look like in, in your life? And there's a, a bunch of questions. I actually wrote a, a blog on this, which is on my website, mollyfletcher.com. Okay. And you can peek at it and sort of, sort of see in a little bit more detail. And, and then you culminate it into a sentence. But I think what I would encourage people to do as they go through that process is say, you know, the, the two or three recommendations sort of to, to roll back to your question is, you know, number one, I think, is to be yourself, right? To be authentic in nature, because I think, we, we often find ourselves in a world where the, the world is full of amazing people. And, and so it's important, though, to be who we are. You can't try to be anybody else. You know, we're most comfortable in our own skin and being our own selves. Right. One of my guys, Tom Izzo, right, he lost yesterday to Middle Tennessee State. Michigan State is not supposed to lose to Middle Tennessee State. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Izzo is one of the most wonderful people I have ever met. I admire him and respect him both as a husband and a father and certainly as a community man, as a mm -hmm. leader, as a basketball coach. But he cried. I mean, you're not supposed to cry either after Tom Izzo losing basketball games. But, but he didn't cry because he was mad at himself. He was upset for his seniors. You know, Tom, to me, is, is a guy that's not afraid to be himself. And, and however that shows up, he says to himself, you know, it's worked. It's worked. Me being myself works. And so I think you've got to give yourself an opportunity to really trust who you are and be your authentic self. My yeah. second recommendation would be, yep. you know, manage your energy more than you manage your time. No, I think nice. we live in a world where, where, where people spend a lot of time accepting meetings and they're not sure why. They sit at their desk and get 
you know, meeting requests and they hit accept. And, you know, really think about why you're accepting that and should you, and is that where you want to put your energy or not? You know, we all in this world that we live in are getting, getting just, you know, hammered with content and and information and, and requests all the time. So I am a huge believer that, that energy management is a byproduct of us showing up as our best selves. And so I would look at, you know, how do you spend your energy spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally and recognize, are there gaps there with your energy and, and what do you need to do to sort of close those gaps and focus on one thing, maybe pick mental energy as a gap in your life that you want to focus on. Um, Maybe pick physical. If you feel like you want to get in better shape, maybe pick spiritual. If you feel like that's a gap for you, you know, when I went through this um, process, I personally, I picked mental because I am a big multitasker. Mm -hmm. And what I have learned is that multitasking is actually a massive energy drain. Yes. And so, so, you know, I had to really change some things and really look at, you know, if I'm going to really show up as my best self to the people in my life, that that's going to look like me not multitasking. You know, I mean, I would go to the grocery store and talk on the phone. I would, you know, be outside playing games with my kids and I would, you know, quick to shoot an email back when the basketball would roll down to the bottom of the, the field at our, at our house. I mean, and I went, wait a minute, I need to just lock in and be fully present. And so to me, energy would be maybe the second thing. And then I would challenge everybody to pull back and say, why am I here? Yeah. And what is a sentence that can culminate all that and create bumper pads for yourself in your life? No, I love that. And I, and I know that for myself too, I totally can relate to that because I've been really focused on mindfulness, being in the moment, being focused on who I'm with, what I'm doing at that very moment and focusing on energy too. You know, one of the things stress, you know, is a, is a killer. And especially today, we're being bombarded with so much information as you referenced that our cortisol levels are just destroying our immune systems, right? I mean, we could have a whole other show <laughs> just even talking about that. But so I love those recommendations that you made. Um, Molly, I, I didn't want to necessarily get into the, the, the whole gender issue, but I think it's important because you have three daughters. I have two. And yeah. you also, you, you've become a very, you've thrived as a leader in not only in um, the industry that you've been in, but now as, as a keynote speaker and talking about personal development and sharing. But, you know, it, I'm sure it hasn't been easy in male-dominated fields as well. What's, what is one piece of advice that you would give my daughters today and, and other, you know, parents of young daughters out there about thriving in business and leadership? Yeah, you know, um, it, it's, it's, uh, that's a wonderful question. And I, I, um, I wrote a blog that actually went really viral. You may have seen it, but it's called My Letter, my letter to Every Little Girl Who Plays Sports and Her Parents. That, yes, and that, the, the, core, the core of the letter was really about keep going, you know, just keep going. Because to me in life, it, success isn't about one big, big step after another. It's a lot of little steps of keep yep. going, of keep leaning in, of, of fail, recover, repeat. and so. What I want my my daughters to do, and and I think, um, it is to continue to put themselves in positions to evolve and grow. To continue to put themselves in positions where um, maybe they're not the best one out there, but they will be one day as they continue to keep going. So I I am a big fan of of young girls being a part of of sports, but but it may be that your daughter's passionate about music. Fantastic. Right. Right. Maybe it's the piano. Maybe it's the violin. It doesn't matter. What matters is be a student 
fail and learn and grow and stay in it. Because to me, it's all about little moments. Little moments create really big outcomes. And so I want my girls to continue to find themselves in little moments that will allow them to grow because I think all those bubble up into really big moments. They do. And it's one little victory at a time as well. One little victory. Absolutely. And yeah, in between the, the, the stumbling and the falling down and the learning, it's, that's, what, that's exactly what it's about. Well, Molly, lastly, uh, on the show, I just, what else inspires you day to day? I mean, I'm sure, I know family is first and foremost, but you can answer that as well. But besides business, speaking, running, everything we've been talking about, what inspires Molly? Wow. I mean, gosh, that's such a cool question. You know, I believe that every day we, we, we learn things, right? And we learn a little bit more about ourselves. But when we engage with other people, we learn other ways of thinking, other ways of doing, you know. And so what inspires me is the opportunity that we have in this life to continue to learn and grow. And, and whether I'm, as I am right now at a volleyball tournament with my daughter sitting on the sidelines and watching her evolve and watching her grow, watching her coach, who I believe is doing a wonderful job with these girls, or mm. sitting next to a mother or a father that's going through a challenge and learning about whatever they're dealing with, um, you know, it, it is, for me, I'm a big fan of being a sponge. And, you know, whether it's watching March Madness or sitting next to a parent that's going through a, a challenge right now as we're dealing with on this team and or watching my daughter evolve and grow and, and, and have a great play and a great point and then maybe not a great play and a great point. All those things are awesome things. So what inspires me to answer your question mm -hmm. is all the little moments that culminate throughout a day that I think help us learn and grow and help us evolve. And, and, and again, I, 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 you know, I think that's actually, I'm not, completely sure yet, but maybe the title of a book I'm working on right now, that's going to be about fearlessness. But, but to me, fearlessness and evolving as a person is about embracing all the little moments and those little moments bring big outcomes. Oh gosh. Can't wait to read that. That's the, I completely agree with that. I know that my, I, I can tell you my, my oldest daughter has, has had a tough, a tough week of school. She's in first grade this last week and, and um, little, little stress, you know, and that's hard to watch your young children when they're stressed like that. And she was just, yeah, she, yeah. Wasn't, she wasn't sure if she wanted to play the, the baseball game that we had last night it was our first game. Um, um, as I was talking to you before the podcast started today, but as soon as we got to the, the ballpark and she's walking up and she sees her teammate, she says, daddy, I want to play today. Mm, and I cool, went, and, cool. and, I, and it was her, and we, it was her choice. We told her that it was her choice. Cool. And that, and to me, that's, cool. that, that's one little victory right there, right? For the week. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? That's just keep going. Yeah. That's what that is. That keep is going. Fun. Molly, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you again out on the road at some point soon. And otherwise, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again very soon, hopefully. Well, I'm a big fan of yours, Kevin, and, and thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I mean it. Thanks so much. Reach wise, reach well, reach west and live the effectual stretch. We'll feel you next time on Reach West Radio. I love Reach West Radio. <laughs> Let's try it again. I love Reach West Radio. I love Reach West Radio. I said it right. <laughs>